0: Previously on Hound Radio's Arch Campbell podcast. Clive Owen as Clinton is just so oily. I did not
1: have sexual relations with that woman.
0: Basically, I feel ashamed when I'm watching it.
1: Well, it's not a ton of fun. I mean, it is and it isn't, because I think Uh Sarah Paulson is, you know, doing most of the work right now, you know. But I went, Clive Owen? I don't see an Arkansas boy in him. (laughs) The Arch Campbell podcast featuring Arch, Lou Katz and a cast of thousands begins now.
0: Well, hello again, everybody. And it is the week after the Emmys and I am here with Lou Katz in the control room, where he is twisting the knobs. And hello, Lou. <laughs> hello, Arch. How you doing? The CEO of Hound Radio.
2: <laughs> That's right. I clean up after all the other hounds. That's
0: <laughs> How how is Hound Radio? Hound going? Radio
2: is great. We were recovering from our uh, very rare public appearance out at uh, Frying Pan Park in uh, Herndon, Virginia. Great little yeah. public park out there. They had a uh, uh, a rescue group called Brood, and they had their Basset Hound Ramble. It's sort of like an outdoor party, and people set up stuff, and they do races. They have the uh, Basset 500 run and <laughs> costume contests. And... Uh, and they, they have all kinds yeah. of stuff. So that that was fun. The weather was nice, and I got a lot of dog drool all over me, and stepped in a few pots. You know, Probably. I've
0: been looking online uh, because uh, Norm McDonald passed away last week, and a lot of his material has bounced back up on the internet. And I first noticed him because he was doing stand-up about wiener dogs.
2: I got a nice wiener dog. I got one of that wiener dog wiener dog can't rip your throat out or anything like that, you know. <laughs> Unless you're lying down, you know. <laughs> you have to be lying down sleeping there, you know. A wiener dog sneak up late at night, start nibbling at your throat there. Then by daybreak, he's got a hold of a vein there. He's pulling out a vein there. You wake up, oh, I'm gonna from me, a wiener dog. What <laughs> the hell you think you are, a pit bull or here? <laughs> you're, a there? vein back
0: there. That's when I first thought this guy was doing something. Uh, fun and different uh, wiener dogs. So you let me know when you do a wiener dog. (laughs) I will. And
2: you know, you mentioned Norm. I always loved his, uh, his Burt Reynolds on Saturday.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We talked last time (laughs) on the podcast. He, he uh, came up with the concept of celebrity jeopardy. You know, one other thing popped up online. Norm MacDonald used to do uh, bits about he used to do a parody of David Letterman's late night show. And if you haven't seen it online, uh, I highly recommend it. It's one of the funniest things (laughs) I have ever seen. And then he appeared on Letterman and Letterman made him do it. And and uh, to see Norm so embarrassed was uh, quite fun. So well Lou we are very excited today to welcome our dear friend Jen Cheney from Vulture who uh, has been on this podcast many times and is our font of information and hello Jen.
3: She's Hi back. it's great to see you guys.
0: I I hear you're not sleeping much these days. Is everything all right?
3: Oh no I'm I'm not sleeping much at all but I'm, I'm getting by.
0: Not sleeping because you're watching so much stuff online and going to screenings. (laughs) More
3: watching stuff online. Uh,
0: By the way, speaking of that, uh, this is the week after the Emmys, which is uh, one reason I'm uh, happy to talk to you. And uh, what's your take on the Emmy award show?
3: Well, I wrote a a column about this earlier this week. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I think, obviously Ted Lasso is a great show. The crown is a great show. You know, I really like hacks, but with so much television, it is, it is astonishing how few shows are actually winning awards. And it really does feel, especially after last year's complete sweep of, of the comedy awards by Schitt's Creek. And then this year to have the crown do that, which had never been done before. It does feel a little bit like maybe the voters are just, voting down the line, or maybe they're not watching as much because they're too overwhelmed by the, the sheer volume of what there is. But it, it is a shame to not see uh, things mixed up a little bit more than they are um, and, and see a greater variety of winners.
0: Yeah, you're not gonna discover anything new by watching the Emmy Awards. I mean, th- this year, everybody is talking about the Crown Ted Lasso, Mayor of Town. The Queen's Gambit, Hacks, and Gene Smart. And that pretty much uh, summarizes uh, the awards.
3: You know, more more or less. Uh, I mean, I think they mixed it up a little bit better in the limited series categories. I was truly stunned that Ewan McGregor won for Halston. Um, not because mm-hmm. I don't like Ewan McGregor, but
0: yeah. Halston? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <I'm, laughs> I
3: mean, of all the shows, they were going to go outside the box with Halston? Uh, <laughs> And then they had uh, every every actor who won was white. And that wasn't the case more broadly yeah. at the Creative Arts semis, which are held um, the previous weekend and then they're broadcast on FXX. The night before, You know, almost every actor who won, which were in the guest acting categories and some other categories, was black. But you had no idea that that was the case. If you didn't watch the Creative Arts semis. they didn't acknowledge those winners at all, which is something they actually used to do, I think, they would at least acknowledge who won some of the guest acting Emmys. So that was strange.
0: Yeah, it seemed to me that on the uh, award show, they really tried to be as diverse as possible, and yet all the winners weren't diverse, uh, mm-hmm. and that didn't work.
1: <laughs>
3: right, right. I mean, I think there was a, you know, there was the speech that the the head of the Academy was trying to make that was talking about diversity and, and uh, while Conan O'Brien was saluting him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, and what, by the way, what is the future for award shows? Uh, what What did you think of the show?
3: I mean, you know, I just, I don't understand why they were doing those little bits in between. I think they feel an obligation to do them. And they were, they were particularly bad. I don't know. And I have absolutely nothing against Cedric the Enter- Entertainer. I think he is very mm-hmm. funny, but I don't know who thought it was a good idea to do a bit about the fly on Mike Pence's head. That was a year ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, And it, and it just took up time. Like don't do that and just keep giving out the awards. I mean, I will say relatively speaking, they got done on time. They only ran over by 10 minutes, five of which were taken up by that guy from the Queens gambit who wouldn't shut up.
0: Yeah. N- not only uh, were the awards not very diverse, but there just seemed to be a lot of old producers uh blowvading well i'm almost done with watching award shows i it's it's more fun to uh, uh just see who wins so speaking of that what are you watching these days
3: oh so many things uh, <laughs> <laughs> i guess for starters in terms of things that come out pretty soon as in this week uh, i've been watching the show midnight mass on netflix
2: we tend to dislike mysteries you feel uncomfortable not knowing the more that we know the less we bend the more brittle we become the easier
0: to break
3: another show from mike flanagan who did uh the haunting of hill house and the haunting of blind manor and it's about this kind of small island where zach gilford from uh, from friday night lights plays a guy who um, is coming back home after having served time in prison for a Drunk driving accident and having killed someone, and there's a new priest who takes over at the local church, um, who's played by Hamish Linklater, and he gives just an extraordinary performance in this show. I can't say too much about where it goes from there because that would spoil things. It is like Mike Flanagan's other things. It is in a horror vein, but it's a more thoughtful horror um, series, and uh,
0: yeah.
3: I found it. I found it really interesting.
0: And you're also big on the other two, which I have sampled a little bit. I I, I, got, I have to confess, I haven't quite been uh, captured by the other two yet. Tell me why I should be.
3: Because it's so funny. <laughs> 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 um, and it, you know it had it had a break between seasons one and two. Season, season one was um, originally on Comedy Central. And I don't think many people were as aware of it. And then they've done season two and now they moved it to HBO Max. And season two mm-hmm. is, I thought season one was quite funny. Season two may, might be even funnier. Did you watch the second episode?
0: I, I'm kind Bad of in Not in this climate? Mo- oh, oh. All right, all right. <laughs> Busted. Uh, it's, just, it's
3: very, very sharp and observant <laughs> satire of the way current entertainment and culture works. Uh-huh. And, I, and I think the the jokes are just, very funny and everybody in it is on point. And, uh, yeah, it's, I, I like it a lot
0: for many reasons. I've been wanting to visit with you and, uh, I want to report that I have upgraded my TV.
1: And I've also,
0: yes, I'm, I'm so happy. I've got all these apps now and I've got everything there and I, uh, subscribe to Apple TV and I'm finding so much stuff on Apple. And of course, uh, the thing is, Ted Lasso really is as good as everybody says. And if have you seen the latest Ted A- Lasso uh, episode, Coach yeah. Beard's Night Out? I have, yeah. I first I thought, what is this? And then I realized, it's brilliant.
3: Oh, tell me why you think that?
0: Are they making like parodies of uh, movies?
3: Well. I mean, I feel like this season, especially with the whole rom-communism thing, uh-huh, there have definitely uh-huh. been um, some moments that nod to romantic comedies. But what what movie are you thinking about?
0: Uh, well, of course, there was a Love Actually uh, episode, at mm-hmm. least it uh, reminded me of Love Actually. And the the Coach Beard's Night Out, mm-hmm. which is this bizarre adventure that goes uh, all these different ways, reminds me of some movie I just <laughs> I can't figure out what it After is. After hours? Maybe, maybe. I Or, you know, an Alan Rudolph movie or I don't know what, but I liked it. Mm-hmm. In fact, at first I didn't like it. And then I watched it again and thought, oh, my God, this is brilliant. Uh, so Ted Lasso has been uh you know, a revelation for me. Art, did you watch any of The Morning Show?
3: Oh man, have I watched The Morning Show?
0: <laughs> is that why you're not sleeping?
3: <laughs> no, um, I finished I finished season two a while ago. Oh. And what, what a ride of insanity is in store for you, is what I will say.
2: Alex, I need you to come back. You are the only thing that can save us. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said that before.
0: Ratings have been down. This network needs to clean up its act. Now, they've only released one episode of season two, correct? Yes. And it appears that they will tackle the pandemic this season. Eh,
3: y- yeah. yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't want to give anything away.
3: Well, here's what I will tell you. Starting with the end of episode three, especially, it is just, it is a nonstop kind of roller coaster of nonsense from, from there, there going forward. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember, Conan O'Brien used to show this clip from Walker, Texas Ranger, um, as a joke <laughs>
2: where
3: um, there was on the show and he'd be having a, there'd be like a conversation and all of a sudden his character would go,
2: Walker told me I had AIDS. Like he would just say that
3: uh, out of nowhere. Yes, yes. The entire season of the morning show is Walker says I have AIDS. <laughs> That's what it feels like to me. Just things happen and you're like, what? Like I was watching one episode very late at night and I always try to be quiet. So as not to disturb everyone. But at the end of the episode, I just very lovely. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I I'm, I'm excited for people to start watching them because holding all of this in has just been very bad for me. I need to, mm. need to be able to yell about this with other people.
0: Well, you know, the first season I binged, which, which I think uh, maybe overdosed. It, <laughs> <laughs> it's a better word for it. Uh, I think I like it. And a lot of the first season, you know, I mean, I'm sure you have the experience where you watch shows about uh, people when watch uh, entertainment based on their profession, uh, the entertainment never really captures it. But I thought uh, the morning show actually captured uh, what a lot of that uh, industry is like, at least as I remember it.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah. and
0: of course the touching on the Me Too uh movement was uh quite you know revelatory. Mm-hmm. And and I I got hooked on the morning show. I, I, I liked it. And then occasionally it kind of felt like a, a, a pot of something boiling over.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it is compelling to watch. Like it's I wouldn't well, say especially the second season is not good. But did i want to stop watching it not really <laughs> and i mean the other thing is like with the first season they kind of had to tear it up and and start over again and and infuse the me too kind of stuff that you're talking mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. and then that's happened again the second season they tore it up and to 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 bring covid into it and you can tell that there were some pages that half of it got ripped up and then they picked something <laughs> else in there and i, I don't know <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, so I'm watching that. Are you? Have you found Reservation Dogs on Hulu?
3: I've heard such great things about it, and I've been meaning to, to go back and watch it, but I haven't yet.
0: I am very fond of that. In fact, almost taken with it. In fact, it's one of my favorite things that I've found this year. And, you know, the guy who um, uh, came up with Jojo Rabbit, this is one of his projects. Taika and it's set on an, on, an Indian, on an indigenous reservation in Oklahoma. The story of a group of uh, five teenagers who are trying to get out and go to California. And uh, I've seen all eight episodes and it wraps up in a really terrific way. And there, I understand there will be a second season I would love to hear what you think of it, because uh, it's one of my favorite things. Mm. Odd. It's very odd, very indigenous. You know, there's, a, there's an Indian, there's a spirit who's uh, one of the characters who comes kind of a comic spirit. And then the way they reveal the backstory of the teenagers mm-hmm. is uh, poignant hmm. So uh, I'm a big fan. If you when you watch it, let me know what you think, because okay. I would I would love to hear that. So uh, let's see anything else. What's going on with you?
3: Well, we haven't talked about uh, impeachment. Have you been watching that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I watched the first couple of episodes. I don't know if I'm going to go beyond that. Mm. I'm uh, I'm kind of. Um, I think there's better stuff that I'm interested in than impeachment. It's just a little bit too uh, I, you know, I feel like I need to take a shower after I watch it. what what's your are you a fan?
3: I am actually. I'm sort of fascinated by that whole story, that whole period of mm-hmm. time. I think they cast the show very, very well for the most part. And as it goes on, i just i was I was more interested in it, and especially um. I think it's the sixth episode, which is just fully uh, devoted to um, when Monica Lewinsky, basically when Linda Tripp kind of hands her over to the, to the FBI at the Ritz-Carlton and she's trapped at the Ritz-Carlton for at least a day while they're trying to negotiate with her and she's trying to get her mom to come. Like that is a, it's a great episode of television.
1: Mm. It's,
3: it has these moments of like kind of comedy where the FBI sort of has this Keystone Cops quality, but she's also you know, she's a young woman in this room full of men that's very intimidating. Like that episode of television, I thought was one of the best ones I've seen all year. So,
0: well, okay. Hearing that I'll, uh, I'll dive back in. I think I've seen the first two episodes and I guess they've dropped a third one. I don't know if I I'm having trouble with Beanie Feldstein. Um, Oh, really? Just I'm 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 aware that I'm watching her instead of uh, Monica uh-huh. Lewinsky, uh-huh. Uh, and and I'm a little bit aware of Clive Owen as Clinton.
3: I have to say I was pretty blown away by by how he portrayed Clinton. I I didn't when I heard that he was the one doing it. I was like really like it just didn't really gel for me. But I I thought he did a great job.
0: So where are we here? You're you're recommending. Uh, Midnight Mass on Netflix. Yes, and the other two is on. Is that a Netflix show?
3: It's HBO Max.
0: Yeah, and uh, and uh, Impeachment on uh, FX. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, let's take a break and hand it over to Blue Cats to uh, talk about. The Hound Radio, which carries the <laughs> well I well, knew I would go to the dogs.
2: Well, actually we've gone to the cats. We have a new feature where we're giving equal time now to the fans of the feline. Check out oh, that. that's 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 nice. Check this out. Hound radio now provides equal time to our feline loving friends. <laughs> Welcome to Cat Corner with Lisa Sinrod.
1: Do you ever wonder how your cat evolved from the wild and became domesticated? The taming of cats began about 10,000 years ago in the Middle East. Evidence includes the burial of cats with humans. Cats became an official deity in Egypt 2,900 years ago. Soon after, domesticated cats were spreading through Europe. Felis catus, as a species, has arisen through wild cats living closely with humans. Two theories exist as to how cats became domesticated. The first is that wild cats were tamed and selected for friendliness. The second is that they were tolerated rather than selected by humans and gradually diverged from their wild relatives through natural selection. Today, these creatures are the tame animals that we call our pets and consider as family. I'm Lisa Sinrod for Hound Radio. Jen,
0: one of the the many, many reasons i wanted to talk to you is, uh, I'd like you to bring me up to speed on the Jeopardy mess. Oh, geez. Why? (laughs) Why did that turn into such a mess?
3: It turned into a mess because, you know, they, they first of all set it up in a way that made it seem like they were really going through a process where they mm-hmm. were you know trying people out and really considering different people and maybe the fans input would, would would matter and then they chose their own producer which by itself would have been one thing but the fact that he a had this you know old old lawsuit where he was being accused of um mm-hmm basically discriminating against uh some of his infi- female employees and then when the ringer published that that piece about the podcast that he had been on which suggested that you know he he'd put out a statement i think at one point saying like oh that whatever you're hearing about the lawsuits that's not who i am.
0: Well, yeah, There's nothing to see here that,
3: <laughs> that you actually are that person. Um <laughs> i i just they 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 did not do a very good job of of vetting him or thinking this through, just the optics of how it would look. Even if he was the greatest guy on earth, it's mm-hmm. still the optics of choosing the guy who's producing the show after all that would not have been great.
0: I was interested that the Washington Post described him as smarmy. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I'm thinking of that is, you know, he hosted for a week recently, which was supposed to be the start of his career. Right. And I would say he had the worst career launch in television <laughs> history because by the time they aired the episodes, you knew he'd been fired and you knew he was smarmy. And I understand and I I believe that he uh, tweaked the uh, auditions to make mm-hmm. him look good,
3: yeah, I heard that about um Lavar Burton in particular, um mm-hmm. because there were some complaints that oh, he was he was making mistakes on camera. and it's like, well, normally they would edit those out. It's interesting right.
0: they didn't uh-huh. i I still I wonder if they will find a place for Lavar Burton,
3: yeah. I mean, it seems like they should. we'll see. I mean, it just, I like yeah um, me so long. First they, you know, first they had him just step down as host, and then he was still going to be producer. And I'm like, how do you think that's going to work? But yeah, like just the yeah, the idea yeah. that took him so long to realize what was so obvious to everyone else was strange.
0: Any movies in your uh, world that you're uh, excited about?
3: Well, I don't know if I'd use the word excited, uh, but I, <laughs> I just I saw Dear Evan Hansen.
2: Dear Evan Hansen. Today is going to be an amazing day, and here's why. Has
3: not been getting great reviews. Uh, and I do think it's understandable why that is. I do think Ben Platt's a little too old to be playing the character at this point. However, I think almost everybody in there who's cast as a teen is, you don't quite feel like they're a teen. Because um, in his defense, he's not that much older than some of these other actors. Uh, of the teens, I think Amanda Steinberg, who was younger, and then Caitlin Deaver are the two most effective characters. And I just think it, it there's something about, I don't know if you ever saw the original show on stage,
0: I kind of remember it. It's the kid who said he was a friend of a kid who uh, committed suicide, and then it turns out that he wasn't
3: right, which is a weird premise for for a play, let's be honest,
0: yeah, for a musical,
3: <laughs> yeah. but I think there's something it seems even weirder, I think, is a film. And I think the way they've tried to translate it to film, you know, you expect I, I don't know about you, but when I go to see a musical like or any any play, when you're in a theater, I'm, I'm my ability to like suspend disbelief rises a little bit because I'm in a heightened situation. It's very obvious that you're watching something fake. When I watch a film or a TV show, especially one that's purporting to be in in reality, like i I, I feel like I should be watching something oh, more true. yeah. And so some of the leaps that are taken in the musical when you try to put those in a film, and especially like the quick transitions, like you find out that the kid has died and then the next scene is like Evan going to their house for dinner. I'm like, shouldn't they be more upset? I don't feel uh-huh. like you should be having guests.
0: Yeah. Um,
3: yeah. So there's just a lot of things like that that just didn't quite make make the leap very well. But I will say, I don't remember knowing this about the musical, but the film is set in Bethesda. Um, oh. You wouldn't know it based on any of the surroundings because it doesn't look like Bethesda. They shot it in Atlanta. But oh. uh, the, the gentleman who wrote the book for the musical and also wrote the screenplay is from Bethesda. So I think that's why. Um, oh. And I was noticing it because there was, there was a reference to Gifford's ice cream, the father of... Um, Connor has a baseball that was signed by the like 1996 Orioles. I'm like, this has to be local because there's just a lot of yeah, little yeah. local references.
0: Huh. You know, Apple videotaped the first performance of Come From Away mm-hmm. uh, when they went back on stage uh, when, uh, during that time that uh, the pandemic had dipped. And but it's not a film, it's a video of a, of a production. Uh, much in the same way uh, Hamilton was. Uh, I really enjoyed watching that in the midst of all of the uh, reporting on 9-11. It was uh, pretty uplifting. I don't know if you saw it or not.
3: No, I haven't seen it.
0: It's something I'd uh, recommend. And speaking of recommendations, many people I know are watching CODA, the uh, child of uh, deaf adult uh, film uh, on apple which is to me is kind of the uh, word of mouth movie of the year
3: mm-hmm.
0: are you a fan of coda or have you seen it
3: i haven't had a chance to watch it no
0: i really hope you'll watch it i think it's one of the 10 best movies of the year mm-hmm. the uh, young girl emily jones is just she just knocks your socks off and uh, marley matlin is uh mm-hmm. involved and uh it's they are discussing her for an Oscar. So there you are. Can we, I would like to put in a plug for a mutual friend of ours, Amy Singer has written a book, There She Was, about the history of the Miss America pageant.
2: There she is, Miss
1: America. You know, I tried to figure out what happened to it and that's what led me to this book, to look back at the past history. Does it have a market share anymore? And I think after a pretty sensational century, it's hard to say that it does. It's losing viewership dramatically. It's plunged in participation by contestants.
0: The Post uh, did a, uh, an excerpt of it uh, a month or so ago, and the excerpt was so well written. I got on my uh, Amazon and ordered the book. And uh, I don't know if you've heard of There She Was. but Yeah, yeah,
3: uh, yeah, I have. I have. I haven't had a chance to read it.
0: I thought it was pretty good. So uh, any final words from Jen Cheney of Vulture? What are you working on for Vulture now?
3: I'm working on a review of Midnight Mass. Um, Mm -hmm. We have, uh, as of this moment today, TCAs, which is the Television Critic Association, presentations that usually happen in the summer have been like sort of sprawled out more because they're virtual. So um, we have one from HBO today, which is why I was up late because I was watching Succession and I was watching uh, another new show that's coming um, to prepare for those sessions. But that's what I'm working on.
0: Okay. So we're all going to be glued to our TV sets. Let me, I want to mention one last thing, uh, and it's time for us to wrap. But Bob Mondello was on this show uh, a few weeks ago and said, you know, you can go to movies for the matinee and there's hardly anybody in there. And I have uh, dipped my toe into uh, screenings
3: Mm
0: -hmm. uh, a few times for matinees. I went to see The Green Knight and there were six of us in there. to see the uh, card counter and I think there might have been 10 of us in there mm-hmm. and uh, some of the films I've seen I'm kind of mixed on but uh, Mondello is right If you go to the first show uh, there's nobody there and mm-hmm. the air conditioning is on <laughs>
3: are people wearing their masks yeah mm-hmm. yeah
0: so there you are but jen uh it's just a great treat to uh visit with you always
3: yeah thank you for having me
0: oh, are you kidding and uh and i would like to check in with you again in a okay. few weeks okay because it sounds cool. like i'm gonna need to
3: why oh yes we have to start with the morning show it needs to be a regular
0: segment <laughs> I, you're right <laughs> Lou, any final words for us?
2: No, it's just great to have uh, Jen back on. It's almost like the band is back. I, I, I'm, d- I'm digging that. In the meantime Jen, you can go catch up on your on your uh, badly needed sleep and your rest. You know they say watching screens late at night, you know I don't know if you do it on an iPad or whatever is is bad for your sleep habit so
3: yes, I've been told by my doctor
0: <laughs> <laughs> that note. Thanks so much, everybody, and uh, I hope you see something
1: good. This is the Cats Podcasting System, where it's not just a podcast, but a pod-cats.